A little over 20 years ago, I read a book called A New Kind of Christian by author, speaker, former pastor Brian McLaren. The book is a novel, but it's really meant to convey certain ideas about revisiting Christianity and its tenets and its claims and discovering new ways to approach time-tested ideas. And so in this book, McLaren tells the story of a pastor who is feeling worn down, feeling burnt out, and in need of new inspiration for his work. And he meets a mysterious figure named Neo. Let's just make this as on the nose as we can. And the two strike up a friendship through a series of conversations about life and faith and theology, and spirituality, and throughout the book, the pastor, the storyteller, ends up finding, again, new ways to approach old ideas, and comes away reinvigorated for his work, and for his faith, and for his life. The story itself is fine. It's, again, it's, it's just a series of theological claims and musings set into a story-like form. And some may find it more accessible and more appealing as a result. But the, the claims themselves, that, that is another can of worms, and again, it, people may find an on-ramp toward something more as a result of reading through this book. And I was freshly out of college when I read it, and I was searching for my next steps. I was in a time of life transition at that point, and it was as good enough of a story to read at that point as any, and I had gone through my own time of questioning and deconstruction and so on, and so this book helped further along what I was dealing with then. That's all well and good, but what I really want to talk about is something else that this book inspired me to begin thinking about, and it's not something that you might necessarily expect, given all that I've already explained about it. One of the things that the main character regularly does throughout this book is he sits down and he journals. And his journaling practice is described in some detail, such as the fact that he just uses those mead composition books, you know, with the the marble covers, the, the cardboard covers that have a marble-like design on the front. You can buy them for like two bucks pretty much at any store. And he feels the need, he says, he explains, he, he just feels the need to keep it simple. He doesn't need any kind of a fancy journal, so he just keeps buying these mead notebooks and he uses those. 
And there, there was something, something in my mind caught on the description of this practice. And again, I, as I mentioned, I was going through a summer of transition. I was working as a camp counselor far away from family, from friends, from my then fiancé. And not only that, but I was anticipating a big move, the biggest move of my life to St. Louis at the end of that summer to begin my seminary studies. And all of that together inspired me to go to a store and to get my own $2 Mead composition book where I would begin to journal. Now, over the years, my own journaling practice has moved on from those Mead books although I do still have a fondness for them. In more recent years, I have been using Moleskine notebooks, or Moleskine, depending on how snobby you are feeling when you're trying to pronounce their name. And most recently, currently, I have been using notebooks from a brand called Zequens, which are much harder to find than Mead or Moleskine, but they have really become very comfortable for me. I began that summer with shorter entries, maybe a page long, and they were very much a day-in-the-life sort of thing. Just how I was feeling, what I did that day, that, that kind of a thing. Eventually, over the years, I would begin incorporating quotes. I would allow myself to make doodles in the margins. I would sometimes copy and paste inspiring things, pictures or articles, sometimes entire articles, sometimes just paragraphs and so on. And nowadays I would just consider my journals to be kind of a catch-all for all of this stuff. Now, as I mentioned... I read that book, A New Kind of Christian, over 20 years ago, and I've been journaling ever since. I have 20 years worth of journals, a shelf that holds 20 years worth of this practice. Now, you might not have even journaled a single day, but you might have the aspiration to do so, and might be wondering how you might begin, where to begin, how to begin. For others, you may have once had a journaling practice and you have fallen away, or you might just have an intermittent one. You might write an entry, and then a couple weeks from now, you'll write your next one. Whichever the case, I want to talk about this practice that has come to mean so much to me. For those who are aspiring or for those who are struggling with this practice, I am hopeful that you will find it helpful. For those who do not engage in this practice, you might still not be one who engages in it at the end. But nevertheless, I want to talk a little bit 
about journaling and its potential benefits. Welcome to the Coffee House Contemplative Podcast. I have to say from the outset that there is no one reason for journaling. And as a result, there is also no one way to journal. There are plenty of reasons why one may undertake such a practice And there are many tips and tricks out there, books, articles, blog posts, podcasts, that tell you how you can get started or suggestions of how you might approach it. But ultimately, if there's one thing that you take away from this episode, it is this. There is no single way and no single reason for journaling. Now, having said that, I'll go ahead and give some of the most common or some of the most popular reasons why people may begin to journal. One might be that one feels on the cusp of a new life season, or maybe they have already begun a new life season fairly recently and have decided this, I need to write about this. I need to document my feelings and my experiences. I want to look back at this and and to relive it or to revisit it down the road and, and be able to reflect on it. So these life seasons might include a move 500 miles away from all friends and family and loved ones, such as it was in my case, moving from Northeast Ohio to St. Louis. For others, sometimes people feel a pull to begin journaling around the time that a child is born. Some may experience a shift in their career path or in their educational path, or in a main primary relationship that is beginning to fall away. Some kind of a new beginning is occurring. You feel that shift happening, or that shift has already begun, and so you have decided, well, I want to write about this, and I want to remember it. And I want to revisit it down the road. So people may journal for that reason. Another reason might just simply be that one feels a need to have an outlet. All the things, all the thoughts that you can't say out loud during a given day. Well, 
Here is a spot where you can get them all out. You can write them all down. You can release them into the world, as it were, without perhaps getting yourself in trouble or without causing any waves with others. Those thoughts that you don't feel particularly safe or confident about letting out in front of others, a journal can be the place where you can let them out instead. Maybe you just want to take on a regular writing practice. Journaling is fantastic for that. If you make it a point to sit down and write even a page in your journal every day, that's a regular writing practice. That's you slowly but surely honing your craft, getting better, discovering how best words may hook together for yourself, how you may best express the ideas that you want to express. To journal can be a big part of that discovery for you. And the last one I want to mention, you may journal as part of a regular prayer practice. There are many prayer practices that encourage journaling, either during or after it has concluded, where maybe you write as a form of prayer, or you undertake some kind of prayer practice or spiritual practice, and then maybe as part of your processing and your decompression after the fact, you write about what you experienced. My own reasons for journaling have evolved, as one might expect that they would over 20-plus years. This, this happens. This is a regular thing. The longer you stick with any kind of practice, this is going to happen. You discover new paths, you explore new possibilities, so that's, that's going to happen. Sometimes you may come to a point where you feel like you're in kind of a rut and you might need to reimagine your approach in order to continue. So here are some popular uses of journaling, some popular prompts, as it were. And I've mentioned some of these already. One might be to simply recap your day. This happened, and then this happened, and then this happened. But you also might delve a little deeper and explore how you felt as each of those things were happening. Another popular use might be what's come to be called a commonplace book. And there are a lot of resources out there regarding this particular approach. A commonplace book is basically any kind of a, a inspiring quote or passage that you find, you record it in this book so that you can, again, revisit it later. Another basic approach might be to address your entries to someone. It might be a loved one, either living or passing on or passed on. The 
novel Gilead by Marilyn Robinson is fairly notable for this approach. It is it is told as a series of writings from an aging pastor to his young son. Or if you are taking this on as part of a prayer practice, you might address all of your entries to God. There is the practice of mourning pages. This is a concept that was made popular first by Julia Cameron, who her approach, she says, you, you, the, the, the idea is that you just write three pages every morning or every day. Just stream of consciousness, whatever pops into your head, put it out on the page. And, and again, this, this can be part of a larger writing practice, honing your skills and gifts and talents and so on. Or it can just be a brain dump on the page, a, a venting as it were. And, and the recommendation is then you just make them go away at the end. You don't have to. There's more than one way, I think, to do morning pages. And so it might just be your morning routine to write stream of consciousness every day in your journal and then move on to your day. This is a place, journals can be a place of testing ideas that you might eventually turn into art, into writing, or other aspects of whatever, whatever work you're, you're engaged in. It might become part of that. This might be your first testing ground for that. You might use it as a prayer journal. Again, as I've mentioned, addressing your entries to God or recapping what happened during an earlier prayer practice. You might use it as a bullet journal. I don't know much about bullet journaling, honestly. I've never done it. There's tons of resources out there. If you're interested, feel free to go look them all up. Or your journal might just be an amalgam of any or all of these things. Just whatever you feel like on a particular day, that's what you're going to do. Again, it's your journal. So do what you want. It's really nobody else's business unless you make it a point to make it other people's business. There's really no wrong way to journal. And this idea can be freeing, this realization that you can do this however you like. It can be liberating. But it can also be intimidating. Staring at that blank page, wondering what to fill it with. You can use one of the more, more of the ideas I've already mentioned, or you can intentionally seek out prompts to help you along.
Now, even with everything I mentioned in the last segment, all the different possibilities, all of the different ways that you can approach this prayer practice, you still might open your journal to your first page and still feel stuck. You might still feel intimidated by that blank page, staring back at you. What what do I fill this with? What do I do with this potential before me? And again, one of the easiest things or one place where you may begin is to just revisit one of those suggestions that I have already given. Just take one of them and and run with it for a day or a couple days or a week and just see what happens at the end. See whether you like it or not. And if you do, keep going by all means. If not, then try a different one. Or you can try one one day, try another the next day, and over time you discover what works best for you. One of the biggest things about journaling that makes it a worthwhile practice is intentionality and consistency. You want to be intentional about sitting down to do this. Whether it's in the morning, whether it's in the evening, whether it's during your lunch break, whether it's some other time that works best for you, and it might not be the same time every day, but close enough to it for where you know I know this is my journaling time. It is journaling o'clock. So now now I must sit down and do this. For others, who knows? Might be the morning today. Might be the evening tomorrow. Might be three in the morning the next day. Whenever it strikes you. But to be intentional about doing it is a big piece of it. The second thing is consistency. So being intentional, but also being consistently intentional. Again, every day. If you can find a best time, all the better. If not, morning one day, evening the next day, lunch break the next day, three in the morning the next day. Just as long as you are consistent, just as long as you don't go too long in between entries. That's how you fall out of a habit. And that's how a practice becomes something solely in the past. Now, I've said all that about trying these different common uses of a journal. And you still might need a bit more. That is when I would suggest finding journaling prompts. And there is no shortage of these in books, on the internet, in magazines, in blogs, and so on. So if you're hard up for an idea of what to write about, looking up a prompt might begin to get the gears turning. So prompts such as, write about one thing that you're grateful for. Write about one thing you're grateful happened today. Or what was the most significant thing, good or bad, that happened 
today. Write about one embarrassing thing that happened during your day. Write about a loved one who is on your mind. They, they sound, these, each of these sound so simple, and yet they might not be things that we commonly think about. And that's part of the beauty of journaling prompts is that they get us to think about those types of things and to write about those types of things that we might otherwise forget or take for granted. Now, I want to give you a few general tips, a few general observations for what might work best. Now, first off, remember that you are allowed to be open and honest. Nobody else, unless you want them to, will ever see the contents of your journal. This is solely for you. This is between you and the written page. And so find freedom in that. Take liberties with that. Allow that to free the usual constraints that you feel around your daily interactions. Let loose as much as you can, and you might surprise yourself with what you discover about yourself. The next one. Forget about the rules of spelling and grammar. This kind of pains me as a writer, but I certainly have done that in my own journaling. This is not a polished, finished essay that you are writing in these pages. You can do that later if you want, if you want to flesh out some idea into something more. But for the purposes of your journal, just let it all flow out. Again, be free. Let the words and phrases and sentences just flow out of you, stream of consciousness. And if you really want to clean it up for some other purpose later, then you can. But don't let those things hinder you from being able to write. Another suggestion is to do things stream of consciousness style. Share your th thoughts and insights about your day, about how you're feeling, about your experience of some event, some recent happening. So just write it all out. Write it all out knowing that, again, no one else will see it and that you don't have to worry about polishing it up if you don't want to. Another idea or another prompt might be to revisit previous entries, to reread what you wrote the day before or the week before, or if you've been doing this long enough, what were you writing about a year ago? And then you might think, well, I have something new to add to that. Or my thoughts, my feelings have changed since I wrote that. And so now I can add to it or I can correct it 
or I can show how I have changed and evolved since. You might use your journal to express gratitude for the gifts in your life. Again, if you're using this as a prayer journal, you may give thanks to God for what has been happening, or you might ask God for help with something that has been happening. And you might close each entry by asking God for any grace you might need and thanking God for another day. Again, whatever you do, you can do what you want. It's your journal. It's your experience. It's your life. And again, there's no right or wrong way to do this. But if you feel that it would be an important or significant or worthwhile practice for you, then head down to the corner store, get yourself a $2 Mead notebook, and see what happens from there. Thank you for listening to the Coffeehouse Contemplative Podcast. I'm Jeff Nelson. You can find more about my writing, including my five books, at jeffreyanelson.com. You can also find me on social media, facebook.com slash revjeffnelson. And I'm at Bold Roast Rev on both Twitter and Instagram. Have a great week.